Well, welcome to a special day for us. This is our vision day and our congregational meeting. We do this once a year. And uh, I'm going to spend a little time talking uh, from the book of Acts about vision in general and then uh, a little bit of time about where we see God leading this church. And so I hope um, it will connect with you and your heart. And uh, let's start off, though, by, by praying together. So, um, Lord, we're just reminded as we sing and, and worship you how good you are and faithful you are and how you are the center of all things. We want you to be the center of our lives. We want you to be the center of our community, of uh, our, our church, of our calling, of our life, everything. Um, and we know that we just have this one life to live, one life to give back to our maker, the one who gave us life in the beginning, one life to respond to the unfathomable outpouring of grace that you've shown us in the person of Jesus Christ. This is our loaves and fishes, and we want to give them back to you. We want to give ourselves back to you. Deep down inside of us is a longing, a yearning to, to give uh, what you've given back to you so that it can be amplified and can bring you glory so that we can find our identity and meaning and purpose in all that you are, and we can we can find uh, and discover the fulfillment that you intended for us in Christ, in relationship with you for all eternity. That's what we want, Lord. We want that for us individually, and we want it collectively. This vision that we're going to talk about today is about doing that well, giving ourselves back to you. It's about understanding who we are, about being prepared about discovering the unique work to which you've called every single one of us. As it says in Ephesians, that you have prepared works for each one of us to walk in. Special ones that are unique to who we are. Lord, would you take our very imperfect offering, our five loaves and two fishes, and even as it's tinged with our sinfulness and our brokenness and our failures and the things that we wish we could have done over in the past, the ways that we um, forget about you and, and the ways that we harm one another, the, the problems that crop up in the midst of our relationships. God, all of it we bring to you. Uh, this is our offering, our lives. This is our offering to you. So would you take it? Would you multiply would you uh, clarify, would you sanctify that which we bring to you for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is our vision day, and we have a congregational meeting, as has been announced, coming up right after our second service. And so hope you'll come back. Those of you who are here for first service, you'll come back to be a part of our congregational meeting. Um, we're going to get into some of the, um, the business items of, of budget and uh, church council members, and then we have a statement of faith um, adjustment to make uh, there, so that's going to be happening. And what we typically do is take this day then to kind of share where we see the church going in the next season. It's a chance to review um, what in our particular place and time and development stage as a church needs to happen in the next season to answer God's call on us. And so um, it's a time of reflection. And, and it actually starts 
you know, months and months ago as we're having conversations with leaders in the church and staff, and, and then we pray and, and we think through um, what's next. And, and I would just say that and remind us that vision in the church setting is not an exercise in, in hubris, you know. Um, what, can we, what can we do in our own strength because we're good, um, because we're capable, because we're gifted, because we're special? It's, it's not about that. It's so much more, and we're going to see this in the text that we read. It's so much more about listening to the voice of the Lord, walking with Jesus, um, reading Scripture, understanding what God is doing in our midst. And again, what we need to do in this next season because each church is unique, and each church is on its own path of growth. Each church is in a unique setting. And what is it that's going to make this church really sing all the more for Jesus' glory? That's what we want to be living into. So um, it's not an exercise in, in hubris, you know, what kind of mountain can we tackle in our own strength, but listening and prayer and a lot of fasting has gone into this and a lot of community conversation. And at the end of uh, the time of my sharing this morning, we're actually going to invite you to speak into the vision for this church as well. You'll see there's a card right here, and on the back, um, it's got a couple of questions for you. On the front is a reminder that in the beginning of the book of Acts, um, how we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And so um, we want to invite you all to speak into this vision as well. Um, but let's start off by looking at listening to the voice of God in the word of Scripture. Uh, so would you open to Acts chapter 16, verses uh, 1 through 15. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, we'll pass one to you. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. Don't be shy about having a Bible. I want to make sure that you can follow along uh, and understand uh, and see exactly what it is that we're talking about. What I'd like to do in this text is pull out some vision principles that are really important for us as we think about where we're headed, where we're headed next. Um, vision is about where you're going, right? Like seeing into the future. This is where we're headed. And Paul and Silas in, in this particular passage have just started what's called the second missionary journey. Uh, and this passage is about where they're going. And there's a really interesting uh, moment in this where they're um, kind of moved by the hand of God to a different, on a different path than they would have gone otherwise. And so uh, it's instructive for us. And um, it's, it's also uh, a time this morning for then us to kind of look at those principles of vision and then share with you what the vision is for this church in this next season. And then, like I said, a space for you to respond uh, to that. So... Um, looking in Acts 16, starting in verse 1, uh, I'm going to read this through, and then I'm just going to pull out a few vision principles for us that will hopefully give us um, some handles to hold on to. So it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, so kind of a mixed marriage there. Um, but he would have been considered Jewish because his mother was Jewish. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, 
they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. So most understand that this is where Luke sort of joins the party because now he's talking as a we. We sought to go into Macedonia. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Somothras, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. So they've actually crossed over into Europe now, what we would consider as Europe, from Asia to Europe. That's what just happened as we were reading. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, and from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord, Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So kind of a beautiful story of the journey that this missionary party is taking throughout Asia. And then this really important moment where they cross over into Europe. And there are some principles I want to draw from this that help us as we think about the vision that God has for this church. And the first one is simply this, that grace strengthens the church. Grace strengthens the church. So we spent five weeks on the subject of cultivating grace from Acts 15. There was a big conversation about the scope of grace, and it was determined that God's grace, the scope of God's grace is... is um, is perfect, is beyond uh, what the human can imagine. And when we live in community with a reflection of that grace towards one another, a receiving of it from God, it has this real counterintuitive power in, the, in community. We would think that, that showing grace to someone is oftentimes uh, feels like a sign of weakness. Like, shouldn't we hold the line? Shouldn't we make sure people are towing the line and doing what they should do? When we show grace towards one another, we feel sometimes like we're letting up on what should be. And we wonder sometimes when God shows grace to others, are we letting go of what should be? And, and the opposite is actually true. That's what we discovered, is when you show grace one to another, it actually strengthens the community. It strengthens the individual. And so as we move out together, we need to continually come back to the concept of grace and thinking about showing grace one to another. In fact, I'm hoping over this next season there's going to be kind of a rhythm of inward um, focus and reflection on the power of grace in the community to knit us together, to help us with our relationships, to make us one. And then we'll push outward in mission. But you can only do that so long without having to come back in and focus in. And so there's this kind of rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. I'm hoping over this, the next months as we continue to live into this vision that God will do that for us. He will, he will knit us together, make us stronger, strengthen us in grace, but then push us outward in mission. Strengthen in grace and push outward in mission. So that first one is that grace, grace strengthens, a really important principle 
for us to hang on to, to remember the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the forgiving work of Christ. And because of that, we are strengthened. Sometimes, this is the second point, sometimes the way is blocked in vision. Um, You see in this text that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going in a particular way. And let me just throw up the map uh, quickly uh, on this. We might be having a problem with... Okay. So if you, this is the journey that they're on, and um, they're, they're starting and going. The top line is, is the, the beginning of the journey. And when you see the pink part in Asia, they thought they were going to turn right there and go up into Bithynia and then probably circle back around back to where they started. But that's where that intervention of the Holy Spirit happens, and they, they get this vision of a man in Macedonia calling them across, and they end up in, ultimately in Philippi, which is the first major city that they end up. So they cross to the left, across the yellow part, and into the green. Uh, and so there's, it, there's, there's a, something happens they didn't expect. They thought they were going to go one way, and God changes their direction. And sometimes that's what happens with vision. And you may have experienced this in your own life as well, that you thought you were going to go one way, and suddenly the way is blocked, and, and you might have been tempted to feel that all was lost in that moment. You might have been tempted to be frustrated or to, to think that you'd done something wrong. But actually, it was just God moving you to where he wanted you to be. Because that's how he works so much of the time. He blocks the way and opens up a new path. And that's exactly what's happening here with the disciples uh, as they're uh, on this missionary journey. God uh, shifts them to go in a different direction. And I was thinking about the process of coming to our vision, and there was a moment like this for me that was very poignant, very powerful, but but that God has really used, I believe, in some significant ways. When I came back from sabbatical a year ago, uh, we learned that this building was to be torn down, and we needed to find a new place to live. Now, we've learned subsequently that they're going to keep this part of the building opening, and so it looks like we're going to be able to continue to worship here. Um, But in that season, we began to look for another place to worship, and we got deep into a conversation with uh, another church building that was not being fully used that seemed like it could be a great home for us, and it was right in this area so that we could have a worship service continuing in in North Berkeley, Albany, and then think about our El Cerrito campus. And after hours and hours of work and conversation and relationship, that opportunity fell through, and it fell through the afternoon after I announced it to the congregation, right? Making me look like a fool, right? And so, um, of course, that's good, though. It's always good. Paul always looked like a fool, it seemed like, and it's always good when that happens. So I'm, I embrace that reality. Uh, happens frequently in my life. Uh, so um, so, so, so uh, I, that was really hard for me because I've been searching. We've been searching for years. This church is almost 15 years old. We've been searching for a building, right, in this area. And there's, it's been back and forth, a lot of energy expended. And to have that one fall through, uh, just sort of a, another in a series of uh, moments like that, was hard for me emotionally. And what it caused, though, what did God do in the middle of that? And what he did is he caused some real introspection, uh, a, some conversation within the leaders of the church, um, caused me to ask some deeper questions about Were we ready to multiply in this direction? Are we really discipling people in the fullness of what um, we see in the New Testament? And out of that came a more, what I would say, robust vision 
that involves kind of taking greater care for the, the healing element that comes with bringing the gospel. And a lot of us need some of that healing work in our lives. And we understand the forgiveness part, but it hasn't sunk all the way deep into the, the broken parts of our past and really done its healing work. Um, I think God also revealed in that season that there were some relational dynamics that we needed to dig into and work on. And, and, and then out of that, to train uh, people how to live in community more effectively, to have good, solid relationships. And so we've been following that thread. And then also to think about our calling as believers. Uh, each one of us, we've already talked about, we had our Avodah commissioning. Each one of us has a particular calling from the Lord, um, works for us to do. But we often don't understand how that is. And when we don't understand, what happens is we separate our faith from our vocational lives. And that's a problem. And so we need to dig deeper into what would it be to help people really understand their calling and to live fruitful lives out of that deeper understanding of calling. And that happened because God said no to something that we thought we were going to do. That deeper work, that deeper conversation happened because God said no in a way, that, in a direction we thought we were going. So we have to have this kind of attitude when we think about vision, that God moves us in unique ways, and sometimes uh, ways that we, at first, don't uh, feel like are the proper direction or the right direction that God might be calling us into. So sometimes the way is blocked. The third one is the, the ambassadorship, and, and here I want to draw your attention briefly to Timothy. Um, Timothy did not need to be circumcised Again, we don't talk about that normally, but it's all over the New Testament pages, so um, we just have to deal with that. Um, Timothy did not need to be circumcised for God. That's what Acts 15 was about. He was forgiven in Christ. There's not an additional thing you need to do. But he was circumcised because he's Jewish, and it was going to help him connect with the people that he'd been called to minister to. So for the sake of connecting, for the sake of mission, for the sake of the work that he was called to, he went through this difficult, sacrificial uh, change so that he could be ministering to these people. Uh, and, and there's an element of this that's true for us. I want to say to each one of you, where you are is no accident. Where you are in life is no accident. And God wants to use you. You are an ambassador in the place where you have found yourself. Uh, but what does it mean to be an ambassador? How do we inhabit our calling as ambassadors? Um, that's the question that we want to grapple with over the next season. And that's what some of the Gospel Academy retooling that we're looking at is going to help us to do, to really figure out what does it mean to live as ambassadors in this place, in the unique setting that each one of us has been called into. And then lastly, um, I mean, we could do, if, if I had time to do full exegesis on this text, there's just so much goodness here, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing a lighter version of it so I can get to our vision. But the last one is this, and that's the picture of this, this man in Macedonia who is standing there urging them, this vision that Paul had. And what is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying, come over and what? Help us. Come over and help us. And when we're talking about vision, we can't ever lose sight of this really important reality that whatever we do, we do to help others, to bless others, because we see there's a world around us of need, a world of people who need help. And, and we can't offer that help, but we can point the direction to that help in the person of Jesus Christ. And so our vision is aimed 
at pointing people to Jesus, at, at bringing people into contact with Jesus, who is the one who can help us, who can help in our brokenness and our sin and the struggles that we're facing. And, and just like that Macedonian man who's calling over, come over and help us. There's all kinds of people around us. I mean, each of one of you probably has 50 plus relationships with people who would be like this Macedonian man. Um, and maybe they're not calling out because they don't really understand yet the dynamic of needing help from Jesus. And maybe there's some barriers there. But maybe just you're the instrument that God's going to use to help them see the power and the goodness of Christ, the everlasting goodness of Jesus Christ. So we do, we, we do what we do because of love. We go where we go because of love. So those are four principles we want to remember as we think about vision. Grace strengthens the church. Sometimes our way gets blocked because God is leading us in a different direction. We're all ambassadors, and we do what we do out of love. So with that kind of a background, let me just share with you then um, the vision that we're launching and developing uh, now and over probably the next several years. This is going to be uh, unfolding itself in our midst. And so um, you've got a, a, a one-pager here that's got some of the vision elements, and I want to walk us through that. Um, and I want to say that, you know, we've got some firm conviction around this, about the direction that we're going, but that we're also open to refinement and input. And that's one of the things that, uh, at the end of this time, we want to hear from you. The church is gathered. The Holy Spirit is present. We want to hear from you. What is it that you see that you get excited about what um, God might doing in this church over the next season. And then next Sunday, Pastor Dante is going to share on this vision. So you'll be getting kind of from two different uh, perspectives on the vision that we're unleashing. So excited about that. All right. So take out your one pager here. It says Church Unleashed at the top. And um, you've got kind of a, a, a logo that, it, you know, it's got the all different colors. So it's just appreciating the diversity within the church of giftedness and calling and position. But then there's some structure in the middle of that. Um, we want to bring some structure to helping us understand. So we don't want to crush the creativity and the diversity, but we also want to come underneath that and bring some structure to help it so that we're a gospel-centered community answering the call to reach the bay and beyond. And let's talk a little bit about the need. It says, according to a recent Barna report, the East Bay and the surrounding Bay Area are the least church areas in the country. Our context is secular, intellectual, diverse, transient, expensive, and frenetic. Anybody experience the frenetic part this week? Living as a Christian here can be overwhelming. Spiritual vitality gets sapped by the powerful cultural currents that run contrary to our faith. Societal complexity makes it difficult for us to see how our message and witness connect. In fact, I've seen this so frequently, I've developed this concept. It's like the two-year check-in. When somebody moves to the Bay Area, maybe they're coming out of a Christian background. If they've been here for about two years, after about two years, um, the questions and the difficulty and the culture of this place starts to really settle in and bring some challenges. And if you haven't been leaning into Jesus, then uh, that's where... Uh, we often see some of the struggles come in. So it's like the two-year check-in because living here and living out our faith here can be really, really challenging. The potential. Solano Church has an almost 15-year history, in November will be 15 years old, of embodying a holistic gospel witness in the East Bay. 
We have approximately 450 people, all told, associated with our church who are growing in Christ as we faithfully expound the gospel and consistently seek to live it out in the community in our context. Our current people, resources, and ministries now position us to take advantage of the unique opportunities our context brings for the furtherance of the gospel. So turn it over to the other side, and let's talk about the plan. This, you've heard parts of this, but I want to take a minute just to gloss a couple of the key words here. We envision releasing waves of gospel-centered ambassadors. So we're embracing the reality that being a church in this place includes a very high turnover rate. We have people who come and go, whether they're students or they're people who come for their first career uh, and then decide to move on after they've spent a few years. Now, I want to just interject that more and more we're seeing people decide to stay in the East Bay to live here as ambassadors. And that's a beautiful thing. We want to see that more and more because we need more believers in this area who are willing to live out their faith here. And that ambassador thing really talks about our identity. The the Bay Area is so much about identity. um, And for us to really uh, understand how to be present here with fruitfulness, we need to live into and understand our identity. And so some of the training that we're looking at is around being citizens of heaven. That's who you are in your being and ambassadors for Christ. That's what you do as you go out. So ambassadors who will fan out across the Bay Area, Think about on a Monday morning where the people of this church are. We are all over the Bay Area and beyond. On a Monday morning, we've got people who've come through this church, maybe were with us for a couple of years, who are now literally all over the world. We have a unique opportunity to take that in that window to really help them root their lives in the gospel and find their calling so that when they leave this place, they can live lives of gospel fruitfulness. As they reflect the light of the gospel into all facets of life, They will make it possible for others to find God, even in our unchurched, highly secular environment. One of the things about this church is we're kind of a generalist church. We have avodah. We've done stuff in the arts. um, We've got educators and scientists and people across every discipline. And we're figuring out how to bring the gospel. What are the implications of the gospel in all those areas of life? And so we want to help people to do that work uh, in their lives. And we also don't want to lose hope. I think some of us who have lived here for a long time sometimes can, can feel how challenging it is to be uh, an ambassador for Christ in this place. But uh, we got to not lose hope, right? God still is at work here, and he has a power that's beyond any power in this place. And so we got to keep living into that and living out of that power, the Holy Spirit in us, And I believe that we can see people coming to faith. We've seen it, but we can continue to see more and more people coming to faith uh, in this place. And how powerful and beautiful and and God-glorifying is that when we see that happening? So that's what we want to believe towards and work towards. These ambassadors will be equipped by a growing team of disciplers, teachers, and advocates who will help cultivate their gifts and calling for the unique word work prepared for them by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've said this before, but um, this church is so blessed with just a myriad of gifted people, teachers, uh, people who should be discipling and many cases are discipling others, but we want to see that more and more. And so the way I've been saying it around the office is the church that we have now is the ministry team. And the church we're becoming is not here with us yet. Because as we continue 
to equip one another to do gospel work, we're going to see God bring more people to be in touch with your lives and be discipled and ministered to by all of you here. So the call number four is this, to pray, first of all. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, our efforts will be futile. So will you pray? Um, To grow. Church Unleashed is an invitation for us all to get spiritually healthy and embrace a deeper understanding of our calling as ambassadors in the world. Are you willing? That's no small request that's being made. Because it's going to require you at times to dig into some of the broken bits of your life and to allow God to open up your heart and allow God to do some healing work inside of you. That can be scary, right? We'd rather oftentimes keep this stuff in the closet. But if we're really going to step into us, that's going to be it. To to address some of the, the brokenness in our relationships and the sinfulness in our relationships and to try and uh, have God do some work in that. So, uh, and then to think about what our actual life is about. What are we giving ourselves to? This one life that we have, what are we spending it on to do some deep work in that area? Um, so that's, a, that's no small ask. And, and today, we're going to get into the details of a lot of this. Today, this ask has to do with your heart. Are you ready to give yourself to this work? Are you ready to go down a process that might be challenging for you at time, but is going to result in something beautiful because of Jesus? And then connect. We bear fruit together as we root our lives in friendship, worship, service, generosity, and presence. Will you connect? Will you connect with God in worship? Will you connect with each other in this place? There's a couple of phases that we're going to be looking at this from. Um, The first one is capacity building. That's what we've been working on for the last several months. And basically what we're doing is just revising the Gospel Academy for greater effectiveness, to address all those things I just talked about, to help you apply it to to the sinful and broken parts of your life so that there can be healing, to help you understand your unique calling, to help you live in community better so that you can uh, uh, manage relationships more effectively, and um, then we can become stronger in that way. And then we're going to build equipping teams. We've started this work for delivering the Gospel Academy training, Uh, and that's going to be staff people, but also many of you volunteers. Uh, And then we're going to start soon to beta test the Gospel Academy courses in home groups. And and then we'll maybe have some seminars and do it in some one-on-ones. So we're hoping that some of you home groups, and by the way, we had an amazing week last week with home groups. It looks like we're going to have four or more new home groups starting in the next while. So pretty exciting the way people stepped up um, because our home groups are are just too big. And so um, this is really, really great. We're hoping that some of these home groups will invite us in to do a five or six week training in in, in these Gospel Academy areas so that everybody in your home group is, is getting it. And particularly excited about the calling element to this, to work through what are the fundamental issues with respect to your unique calling in ministry, um, wherever God has called you to be. And then phase two, as we build capacity and we're really doing the discipleship stuff more effectively, then we're going to look at multiplication. So embracing our ambassadorship, you know, being sent out, launching the El Cerrito campus, should the Lord so lead uh, in the next season, and preparing to uh, plant a church. So we've got a church plant resident coming to be with us in the spring, and so um, that will be part of that process. And let me just give you a picture in this last part of what this is going to look like if God blesses and we move. What's it going to feel like from your standpoint? What are you going to experience 
if God moves in this way in our church. You're going to experience integrating the transformational power of the gospel into more and more areas of your life. You're going to experience developing a fuller sense of your life calling as it emerges from a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Okay? I don't want you to get to you know, your 50s, 60s and say, wait, what did I do with my life? Did I think about Jesus when I was spending this one life I had? How can I integrate my relationship with Jesus into the very core of who I am right now? Connecting, this is what it's going to, you're going to be experienced, connecting to a web of sisters and brothers who will journey with you into a future of greater fruitfulness in the Lord. You're not going to do this alone. You're going to be doing this with people. And it's going to be fun to celebrate with them how God's working in their lives and for them to celebrate with you how he's working in your life. And then you're going to experience being a part of a dynamic movement that elevates Christ in one of the most spiritually needy places in our country. That's the dream. That's the hope. Let me just finish with this. Um, Tomorrow I'm going to fly off to Minneapolis for meetings with our denomination. uh, And then uh, I'm going to fly to San Diego because it's my father's 80th birthday. And they're doing a thing for him next Sunday uh, honoring his ministry and his work. Um, And here's the cool thing. All the time growing up, my father was a youth, youth pastor. And he had been a seminary uh, professor and a college professor, and he had led a church. But when he came from Canada to the United States, he kind of had to start over. And so he was, he was a youth pastor. I know when I was growing up for him, that was probably like he just wasn't thinking that's where he would end up. But he, he, he labored away in this youth ministry for nine years in this church and, you know, saw some really good fruit. Well, this next Sunday, um, they're calling all the pastors that came out of that youth group to come back together. You want to know how many? There's 26 pastors that came out of that youth group. And they're going to honor him and celebrate what God did in that, in the sending. And I I thought, man, what a fitting illustration of what we're, we're, we're hoping to see. Now, It's not about pastoral ministry. We've made that really clear. It's about all of us finding our calling wherever we are. But to do it in the name of Jesus, right? To be ambassadors for the gospel wherever we find ourselves. And so that's what this vision is about. And who knows in, you know, however many years when we come back to reflect what God will have done, sending people out as he already has across the globe in ministry and service with the gospel. So what I'd like you to do in this moment, we're going to have the music, the team come up, and and, uh, I'm going to open up the table for communion. I'd like you to take out this card, and I want to remind us of what it says in Acts 2. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants, In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And he's referring to this time in which uh, it's the the time of the church. And you are the church. We are the church. So as you think about coming up to communion today, would you just take that card and the pen that's been provided for you and just maybe write down some reflections you have on this vision that we're sharing today. Um, What does it involve for you? What does it look like for you? What would you add to it? 
What do you see missing that you want us to live into? This is a collective journey for us. And as you're doing that, I want to remind us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We open this table for all who call on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We welcome all to this place, whether you've made that decision or not. We want you to be here, to be praying, maybe for the first time, asking God to show himself to you as we worship and finish off our time together, as we write down our thoughts on the cards, we come forward. We'll have people in the back willing to pray for you if you need prayer today. So let's take a moment. Lord, would you meet us in this space? Thank you that when the church is gathered, you are present with us by your spirit. Lord, we bring our five loaves and two fishes to you, imperfect as it is. And we're trusting you to do the multiplication with what we offer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.